This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about the Chronicles of Narnia. Yes, it's time for a very Christmassy edition of fictional foods. Because until you suggested this, I totally forgot that Christmas does play a big role in The Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe specifically. Yes, yes, um, because uh, because of circumstances, evil plotting circumstances. Um, uh, when 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 the when you you catch up with the events of Narnia in that first book, um, uh, a witch has made it so that it is always winter and never Christmas. Terrible, just terrible. Right, the worst. <laughs> the worst. I went through a very very brief but very intense. Uh-huh. Uh, Chronicles of Narnia period. I wrote a fan fiction. Oh, wow. It was a whole day. And for everybody who's written in asking for my fan fiction, thank you, one. I'm flattered. (laughs) Uh, Two, I'm ashamed to say this, but I was ashamed and deleted all of my fan fiction. Oh. Uh, So they don't exist anymore. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I wish I could find it. Like, I can't find any record. Of, I'm sure they would be really funny to me now. Or, oh, sure. I, you know. It would probably be very charming. I think they would be cute to read. Yeah. The ones I'm writing now, maybe I'll get the courage to post, but probably not. But anyway, uh, <laughs> my Chronicles of Narnia fan fiction, which was a severe angst oh. thing, because that's what I always did, is yeah. gone. Um, Dang. Yeah, yeah, lost a time. Uh, it's... 
since then, because that was probably high school. It was like when the movies were coming out. Oh, for me. okay, okay. Uh-huh, like uh-huh. I, I'd read the books and already, but when the movies came out, I just went through this really intense thing. Um, sure. But since then, I don't think I've read or rewatched them. So when I was doing the research for this, I was surprised at how much I remember. Um, certainly, there were things like the the Christmas thing that I had forgotten, but like it all came back to me when I was researching. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and just by the way, if you're an adult and you're looking for something uh, to definitely disturb you, <laughs> I'll say definitely. <laughs> I wrote probably in here, but I think definitely. Uh, I recommend Neil Gaiman's The Problem of Susan. Yeah, yeah. Really, really excellent piece um, exploring. Uh, and and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. Some of the perhaps not so kind to ladies uh, uh, themes that mm. occur within these books. Um, and I, that, that aside, um, I, I love that this was your, your, your high school, that you were deeply into it in high school. I went through my deeply into Narnia when I was maybe like seven. Um, Mm -hmm. so like, I didn't know what fan fiction was. We had, (laughs) we had like Prodigy at the time, y'all. What is Prodigy? (laughs) Not the band, I am assuming. It, It was an internet a uh, connective um, oh. program. <laughs> An yeah. internet connective program, I see. <laughs> yes. Uh, or such as the internet was at the time. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. There, I didn't know anything about fan fiction then. Um, but I <laughs> was so into the Chronicles of Narnia from the ages of maybe like, yeah, maybe like six or seven to maybe, like, 12 or 13, I want to say. Like, to the point that, like, I think I reread the books, like, at least once a year. And I would just, like, read, like, one of them over and over and over again because that's a thing that I did when I was a kid. Um, yeah. Partially because I was, like, like I was I was so into into language and, like, story building and, um, and just really wanted to take things apart and see why they made me feel things and how. Mm-hmm. Um, and how um, those little linguistic turns worked to, to to make like like funny things funny or dramatic things dramatic, and so I had these very favorite books that I would just go through like that. Um, yeah, and I was also really into there was like an animated movie that had been out, and um, I think I might have had the Lion, the Witch, oh, and the yeah. Wardrobe like on audiobook or something because I as I was I reread maybe like four of the books like I don't know like today. Uh, and, um, uh, and it was funny to me how much of it was still in my ear, like how many of the mm-hmm. lines that had been taken directly from the book were still in my ear, um, from a particular performer, um, of those lines. So yeah, weird how stuff like that sticks with you. I'm like, yeah. I can't remember my own phone number sometimes. Is that because <laughs> I've got this entire speech from Aslan in my head? That's great. That's just great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the language in it is certainly, a lot of it's really memorable. And um, I I did that same thing when I was a kid, too. Although I did it, and I still do this, where I'll consume something over and over again because I live in fear, a ridiculous fear, that one day it will be gone. Oh. And I'll have to rely on my memory alone. Huh. So I, wow. yeah. yeah. That's a very, like, apocalyptic, like, take on storytelling. I like it. I feel like it's that Twilight Zone episode, you yeah. know? Like, I I had more time. That's <laughs> really stuck with me. And I was like, what if I can't watch Star Wars? I must watch it 500 times, and then it will be in my head. Um, 
Yeah, well, at this point, I fully believe in you to, like, perform the entirety of I Star can. Wars. <laughs> so. I can. <laughs> the original trilogy. Oh, gosh. Gosh. <laughs> the play is forthcoming. Um, also forthcoming are Alice in Wonderland, long-teased oh. Alice in Wonderland episode. Uh, we will get to it. I'm it excited really will to occur. get to it. Yes. Um, yes. But today we're talking about Narnia, so let's get to our question. Yes. Well, Chronicles of Narnia. What is it? Uh, well, well, um, uh, Narnia is a fictional land first written about in the children's novel series, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. There are seven books in the series, and they tell the tale of Narnia from the very beginning to the very end, though out of order if you read them in the order that they were published, which you should. (laughs) People on the internet still argue about this. They do. And I think C.S. Lewis disagreed with me, but I disagree with him. Oh, So there. (laughs) So there. I'll back you up on this. Who likes a story that starts at the beginning? Come on. Ridiculous. You don't have any context for the important things that are happening unless you read it in the order that they were published. I, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I did read them. I read, I, yeah, I read them, quote, out of order. Uh, Oh. But then I read them a lot, so it just all got mixed together. Well, well, um, those books, those books are um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, The Silver Chair, The Horse and His Boy, The Magician's Nephew, and The Last Battle. They were published starting in 1950, um, running through 1956, so, so very quickly, um, although they are, they are pretty short. They're, they're, they're kids' books. They're only a couple hundred pages each. Um, and yeah, they've been adapted since then into radio plays, uh, the aforementioned animated film in 1979, a live-action television series on BBC in 88, um, and a series of live-action films starting in 2005. Uh, Meanwhile, their author, C.S. Lewis, uh, was born in 1898, uh, Clive Staples Lewis, in Belfast, Ireland, um, but lived most of his life in Oxford, England, where he studied and taught. He was a soldier in the British Army in World War I, um, was friends with uh, contemporaries like J.R.R. Tolkien um, and a, a fellow member of the Inklings Literary Circle there in Oxford. Um, He was influenced as a young man by Norse mythology and like Wagner's operas um, and would go on to study a lot of medieval and Renaissance literature as an adult. Um, And you can see those influences on his storytelling and also in the foods that he portrays in these stories, which do which do take on in in the case of Narnia, um, some some elements of like Arthurian legend. Mm hmm. And although uh, although Lewis lost his faith for a decade or so in his youth, he was very dedicated to Christianity throughout his adult life, and he wrote and spoke extensively about um, spirituality and faith and study and truth and the, the the nature of good and evil and how we humans relate to it. Um, and, uh, and and there are very there are a lot of very overt elements um of uh of christian mythology and yeah. and thought and discussion that happen within the chronicles of narnia but c.s lewis wants you to know that it is not an allegory 
he would get actually pretty salty with interviewers about this. He would be like, um, do you know what allegory means? Because I come out and say it. I say that Aslan is Jesus. It's not an allegory anymore. That's just a thought experiment. Like, <laughs> comma, heckin' smarto. Like, I... <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> which is which is kind of my favorite. Um, uh, so yeah, it's it's a it's a fable, not an allegory. Um, and uh, uh, but hey, this is a food show. Uh, yes, <laughs> and and like like in many fantasy series, because these are a fantasy series. Um, uh, the, the the food that is that is portrayed in them is a is a connection point to reality, like a way of helping ground the reader, um, and also a way of coding in some of those metaphors and like emotional tent poles into the stories. Right. Um, yeah, and apparently C.S. Lewis's mother frequently turned to Mrs. Isabella Beaton's The Book of Household Management. Uh, see Aww. our past episode on her for that. Yeah. So he grew up before mass-produced food when the butcher or milkman would deliver food to your door, when many people still grew their own vegetables, and many took pride in their product and sharing it with others. And these are things that we see reflected in these stories and also the flip side of that of what happens when you don't respect food and what's mm-hmm. behind it and the people behind it um, different realms have different cuisines and specialize in different things and several of the talking animals that are in these books because there um, are talking animals I mean, yes. there are regular animals and then there are animals that talk there's both there is both. Um, uh, many of the talking animals, we know at least, eat a diet of foods associated with those animals, like bears eating honey, squirrels eating nuts, things like that. Yeah. Uh, tree, tree people eat all kinds of different soils um, that no matter how delicious they look, humans shouldn't probably eat them. Um, mm. Centaurs eat just a lot, just a lot. I mean, like they have a man's stomach and they have a horse stomach and both want to eat. And so therefore, it is very serious to invite one over for the weekend. Oh, jeez, I can imagine. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's there's this huge emphasis on um, on not just um the eating of, but the preparation of food and and of meals. Um, uh, and 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 of meals being being pleasant and communal and and um humanizing and uplifting. Um, and like like the first thing that Aslan asks the very first king of Narnia, whose name is Frank. Who's who's a cabbie, um, King uh-huh. Frank? Uh, uh, because Frank is like, well, like, can I really be king? Like, I'm not very like educated. And Aslan is like, well, can you use a spade and a plow to raise food out of the earth? Um, oh. And and Frank is like, yeah, probably. I was sort of raised in that. I guess I can. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> he was a lot more Cockney, and I'm not up to the accent today. <laughs> no, yeah, that's a tricky one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's also important to, to recognize, um, the influence of the world wars on these books. Um, because like, uh, the, the, the first book is set, um, uh, starting in London and moving out to the British countryside, um, during the Blitz during World War II. Um, so the kids, um, who are escaping the Blitz are, are probably well familiar with rationing. And I think that that really helps put in perspective um, some of especially that first book's emphasis on um, on these simple pleasures, on, on you know, just like how heckin' good candy can be. Like, oh, right. oh my gosh, candy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, 
Yeah, there's there's also just like a lot of like like re rereading them now, and I we rewatched the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe live action film last Christmas. I think me and my roommates, and we were all kind of like, oh, there's a whole war, there's a whole battle in here. They're just this is a children's movie, and they are just smacking yep. swords at each other, and that is a lot. I was I had forgotten. Um, mm-hmm. So, so that happens. Um, and yeah. and and as I was going through the like four books that I <laughs> read today, like there, there's a battle, there's a war in all of them. Yeah, it's it's like kind of upsettingly violent. Um, but I guess yeah. also I was struck by how like honest it is about fighting being scary and unpleasant. Um, mm-hmm. which I feel like. I feel like is a is a is a thing that you don't always get from right. some of these stories. Um, also, they make a big thing out of cleaning your sword. Aslan is like Peter, clean your sword after you stab someone with it. Mm-hmm. That is something that I've taken with me this whole time. It has never left. And so whenever, not that I have to clean my sword a lot, I was about to ask some questions. Oh, geez. No, just whenever in a movie, like someone goes all Uh, stabby-stabby and then immediately sheathes their sword without doing anything. I'm like, you're going to rust. Yeah, you don't want that. No. You don't want that. Those are expensive. Mm. I'm glad that's what you took. (laughs) Carry that (laughs) from these books. (laughs) You know, had to be something. Had to be something. Had to be something. Uh... (laughs) And food, it does serve all kinds of purposes in these books. There's temptation in the form of the magic apple and the Turkish delights. There's fortification, a source of camaraderie, a source of comfort, a source of spirituality, a source of healing. Um, From the betrayal necessitated by candy, or I guess uh, by the temptation the candy uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) provided. It was a very tempting candy. Um, To the food that connects the children in Narnia to their home. Tea frequently appears, and it itself can function as a way to warm up from the cold, uh, to form connections with others, or to show others that you care. After the devastating betrayal of their brother, the other three Pevensey children, and so this is, well, the plot can get complicated. But in in, (laughs) in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, they spend a cold, dark, and lonely winter morning that only brightens with the arrival of Father Christmas and his pot of warm tea. And also, like, weapons and stuff. But the tea, you know. Yeah. Yeah, don't forget, <laughs> definitely, it was piping hot tea. Plus weapons. Yes. Yeah. Tea first, weapons later. Tea first, weapons <laughs> later. Very English, yes. Um, uh, s- s- similarly, similarly, um, a group of Narnians um, in that book that the White Witch catches at breakfast are celebrating with a plum pudding. It's very... Very yeah. English. Yes. And speaking of, there are a lot of British things like that to my, these things to my American mind, growing up, reading a lot of British fiction feel fantastical or quaint. I know mm-hmm. they're not, sure. but to me, yeah. <laughs> they, they feel that way. Like uh, meat pasties or pasties and teas and cheese and figs, uh, Turkish delight, quote, cakes of oat and meal, snipe. Uh, not that those things aren't in the U.S., but to me, they were fairly rare or just kind of sounded like, huh, what is that? Outside of Kraft American cheese. Uh, what? That shows not, up somewhere? What? What? <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying, like, I knew cheese, but 
Believe it or not, growing up as a kid, I really only had that kind of cheese. So, Hmm. like, hearing about, like, this meal of cheese. Like a wheel of cheese, sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, And there's an emphasis on breakfast, on afternoon tea, things like that. Yeah, there's a character in one of the later books uh, whose catchphrase is, crabs and crumpets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. I know, right? Oh, Mm -hmm. great. Um, and, and yeah, and yeah, Narnia is also very um, idyllic. Uh, even even the streams there, perhaps only if you're hanging out with Aslan, are mm. um, are the best, cleanest water, the coldest, best yeah. drink you've ever had. Yeah. Um, as far as numbers, there's one that we wanted to include because there is at least one cookbook, um, right? The official Narnia cookbook, Foods from C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia by Douglas Grisham and illustrated by Pauline Baines in 1998. Um, And it was split up into basic meal categories. So breakfast, lunch, afternoon tea, dinner, dessert, and drinks. And it starts with the safety forward. Oh. Yeah. Like most, it's mostly basic safety tips for kids. Uh Uh-huh. But still, I was like, wow. (laughs) The kitchen is dangerous. There should be more safety forwards. Yeah. Um, and in the spirit of Narnia, the recipes use modern appliances as sparingly as possible. Oh, so they're they're okay. much more like, don't use that fancy modern tech. <laughs> Mix it with your hands, with your hands. With your hands. Um, but we did want to spotlight some specific food and drink things. Yes, yes, we did. But first, we wanted to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with the Turkish delight. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Because yep. this is the first thing I think of when I would think of uh, food in Chronicles of Narnia, and I would imagine it's the same for a lot of people listening. Yeah. Um, future episode, but you're, if you're not aware, a Turkish delight is usually a starch and powdered sugar con- confection Typically flavored with rose water or sometimes lemon, sometimes mm-hmm. both. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it can come in a lot of different formats. It can be a little bit more like marshmallowy, or it can mm-hmm. be a little bit more jelly-like. Um, I personally prefer the jelly rose water ones, but um, but it can also have like nuts in there or or, um, or bits of dried fruit. Lots of different formats. Yes, yes. Um, and it is the sweet that the White Witch, if if you haven't, if you somehow don't know these books or this story and you haven't deduced it yet as the villain, the White Witch, um, <laughs> offers to yeah. Edmund Pevensey that facilitates his betrayal of his siblings and of Narnia. Um, it was his favorite, so couldn't really resist. Uh, she gives him an entire box along with a, quote, hot drink. Uh, from the book, it was something he had never tasted before. Very sweet and foamy and creamy. And these both seemed as though they had an addictive quality, and Edmund often felt sick after eating them. Yeah, they were they were enchanted, uh, so that, uh, quote, anyone who had once tasted it would want more and more of it, and would even, if they were allowed, go on eating it till they killed themselves. Oosh. Book for children. Book for children. <laughs> Um, and, and yeah, and yeah, he, he, you know, like as one does when they eat several pounds of candy, which he does eat, she gives him this box that contains several pounds of this candy and he just eats it, um, Mm because it's enchanted. Uh, uh, he, he still wants more of it. He's still thinking about it later. Um, and, uh, later when, when they run into, um, a, a pair of, of friendly beavers, um, like you do, like you do. Uh, yeah. Mr. Beaver says, ah, he had the look of one who has been with the witch and eaten her food. You can always tell them if you've lived long in Narnia. Something about their eyes. Yeesh. Yeesh. Uh, well, later when Edmund is at the White Witch's castle, despite her promises of Turkish delight, all he gets is still bread and water. Yep. False promises. Yep, yep. She had already lured him in. Didn't need yeah. to waste the magic on him again. He was already there. Um, yeah. But so, but so, take this um, in contrast to um, this this uh, this kind of empty calorie uh, sweet um, that right. Edmund gets. Take that in contrast with the first meal that Lucy eats in Narnia, because she runs into a very kind fawn by the name of Mister Tumnus, um, and and he serves her this this humble but but delicious uh, tea of um, of a nice brown egg lightly boiled for each of them, um, and then sardines on toast, and then buttered toast, and then toast with honey, and then a sugar topped cake. Um, just just so just so like. Plain but nice sounding. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at least you got some protein in there. Always eat some protein, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then again, uh, when when all the kids uh, finally get into Narnia and catch up with the aforementioned beavers, uh, they, they have this, this wonderful sounding dinner. There's uh, pan fried trout and boiled potatoes with as much butter as they wanted. Um, and bread and a huge jug of beer for Mr. Beaver. Milk for the kids. Um, 
And uh, if if you'll if you'll indulge me in in quoting again, um, the the book says, um, and all the children thought, and I agree with them, that there's nothing to beat good freshwater fish if you eat it when it's been alive half an hour ago and has come out of the pan half a minute ago. Mm. Yeah, they just sound so simple but so delicious. These things, right? Oh. Yeah. Um, and then there's Mr. and Mrs. Beaver's, quote, great and glorious sticky marmalade roll, steaming hot. I guess it's Mrs. Beaver's. Let me give yeah. credit where credit yeah, is due. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> uh, this was something she was really proud of making and of to share with people. She wanted to share it with people. Uh, and this is a big scene when all the children are in Narnia. Um, it's cold, and the beavers take them in and tell them all about the evil besieging Narnia. And these roles were a fortifying, comforting thing during that conversation and, like, during that cold. Yeah, yeah. They, they had been hungry and lost, and they didn't know what they were going to do or who was a friend or a foe. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they get brought into um, the, the the home that the beavers have made within the dam. And, like, the book mentions that the beavers have, like, onions and hams hanging up in there, like, as a, this way of explaining that it's, that it's plain but comfortable. Um, and then uh, a few pages later, even as they are fleeing... Um, for their lives, Mrs. Beaver makes sure to pack a parcel of food for each of them. Um, and later remarks, what a mercy I thought of bringing the bread knife. <laughs> <laughs> Not for stabby purposes. Oh, geez, right. it's for bread. It's for bread. It's I when know. Father Christmas shows up, there's bread. Yes. Uh, but notably, uh, Edmund cannot enjoy any of this simple, beautiful feast because he's thinking all the while about that Turkish delight. Um, mm-hmm. And the book says, there's nothing that spoils the taste of good, ordinary food half so much as the memory of bad, magic food. Ooh, sounds about, you know, like a commentary on mass production and... <sighs> That kind of stuff, you know. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, related to that, actually, uh, a, a category of food within the books is hunt your own food. Yeah. Um, I think. I think at least once per book, um, the heroes wind up fishing or hunting birds. Um, <laughs> uh, one of a uh, one of the characters um, that some of the other kids meet in another book, a puddle glum, who is who is a marsh wiggle. Um, uh, okay, which uh-huh. is a tall, kind of froggy, sort of, sort of looking, sort of looking mm-hmm. person. Um, he he says he says very seriously um, that that other marsh wiggles have told him that he is way too jolly, and that he oh. has to learn that life is not all fricasseed frogs and eel pie. <sighs> so so much wisdom. And it's- <laughs> <laughs> yes. But he, but he, he he catches he catches eels for uh for the kids and makes them stew right there and and it seems it seems tasty. Um yeah. though speaking of catching and eating things. Uh-huh. There is some cannibalism in these books. <laughs> what? <laughs> What I don't remember cannibalism. Wow. Well, well, oh, okay. Well, there, uh, there, there is at least one point in which, um, in which a group of rather nasty giants, um, eat a talking stag, and um, for 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 a Narnian, you know, I mean, like like if an animal is a talking animal, right. that's that's a that's a self conscious creature. Mm-hmm. You know that that would be like like eating eating a person, right? Um, so. So that's not that's that's bad. Yeah, um, same cool. same giants are totally planning on cooking some human pies 
and Ooh. and doing and doing something to get the string out of that marsh wiggle. Um, yeah, yeah. They find a cookbook. They find a cookbook. Um, that's very <laughs> that's okay. very to serve, man. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's got the got got this entry, and this is when they know. The jig is up. Um, it says, man, this elegant little biped has long been valued as a delicacy. It forms a traditional part of the autumn feast and is served between the fish and the joint. Hey, at least it's a value, valued delicacy. <laughs> That's looking on the bright side. <laughs> also, know. it says man. It doesn't say woman. So, <laughs> wipe my hand up. <laughs> uh, oh, they were totally going to eat the little girl, too. They were totally going to eat the little girl, too. Well, that's. Their cookbook is wrong, and their recipe <laughs> needs to be updated. <laughs> it's, it's feminism is now, and I won't stand for it. <laughs> uh, there are also a lot of feasts in these books. There um, are. Yes. Uh, in the silver chair, there's a feast at Caraparavel with, quote, soups that would make your mouth water to think of, and then fish, venison, peacock pies, ices, jellies, fruits, nuts, wines, and fruit drinks. Uh, d- dinner in the uh, giant castle before the whole cannibalism thing crops up. Uh, there's cockaleeky soup, uh, hot roast turkey, steamed pudding, roast chestnuts, and as much fruit as you could eat. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in um in 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 yet a in yet another castle, there's a there's a beautiful sounding meal of uh pigeon pie, cold ham, salad, and honey cakes, which interestingly, in scare quotes. Are described as being from some barbarous land in the far south. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. We're gonna come back to that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but um uh uh as opposed to these kind of um within castles, kind of regal affair things, um, there there are a lot more words and and uh language. And flower, flowery stuff um, uh, spent on describing more simple meals, um, like uh, when when the kids get back from this kind of horrifying adventure into Narnia proper. Um, it involves uh, a breakfast that's described. It's described thusly: um, sausages and more and more and more sausages. And not wretched sausages, half full of bread and soya bean either, but real meaty, spicy ones, fat and piping hot and burst and just the tiniest bit burned. And great mugs of frothy chocolate and roast potatoes and roast chestnuts and baked apples with raisins stuck in where the cores had been and then ices just to freshen you up after all the hot things. Ah, it does sound good. Gosh, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Ooh, huh. Um, and then there was one I wanted to mention. Um, there, there is uh, this this like kingliest feast of all kings. Um, set uh, at at uh, Ramadu's Isle, set at a uh, Ramandu's Island at Aslan's table. Um, and and this reminded me so much of of when we've done episodes that involved these um these medieval feasts. Like kind of like like yeah yeah, yeah. um because it it was described as having um n- like not just turkeys and geese but peacocks and boars heads um venison and pies shaped like animals and ships um ice puddings lobsters salmon nuts uh grapes and pineapples and peaches and pomegranates and melons and tomatoes that one threw <laughs> me yeah and and so many <laughs> kinds of wine yes uh. 
Wine on wine on wine. Wine on wine <laughs> on wine. Yeah. Um, and then there's also like a toffee tree. Yeah. Why not? Kind of. <laughs> uh, in The Magician's Nephew, all of this life energy was flowing through this new world of Narnia. So when two characters, Polly Plummer and Diggory Kirk, buried a piece of toffee in the ground, it grew into this tree that produced fruits, I think, uh, that resembled dates but tasted like toffee. Uh, yeah, There are a, a lot of magical trees that go on in that book. Yes. Speaking of, let's talk about apples. Ah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. In keeping with the religious symbolism in these books, apples are common throughout. Whether the magic apple that heals when eaten legally, keyword, mm-hmm. and causes evil when not, mm. or the apples that kept the Pevensies from starving in Prince Caspian. The silver apple tree species grew from Narnia's Garden of Youth, yielding unearthly beautiful silver apples. But more than that, there was this irresistible scent to mm-hmm. them. Um, quote, as if there was a window in the room that opened on heaven. Huh. Mm. Huh. Yeah. Eating the apples produced different outcomes based on whether or not they were eaten in the right time and place. Uh, when eaten unlawfully, the juice left a stain on the mouth, uh, caused powers to develop in a way against your desire. It sounds like when you make the wish, and of course the wish goes oh, terribly yeah, wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the lawbreaker would forever be disgusted by the smell of these apples to prevent, you know, further breaking of eating the law against eating these yeah. apples. Um, while Jadis, or the White Witch, became the White Witch, um, got what she wanted, she could no longer get anywhere near the tree of protection, and she sentenced herself to an eternity of misery. Uh, and there were these four types of apple trees that all sort of begat each other. So first, there was the tree of youth. Uh, this grew in the Garden of Youth all the way back to the beginning, Narnia's year one. Mm-hmm. Um, both Diggory Kirk and Jadis took an apple from the tree, though it was guarded by a phoenix. Um, but Diggory gave his apple to Aslan, um, and it grew into the tree of protection, while Jadis devoured hers to gain unending strength and immortality. Diggory was rewarded with an apple for his mother because he did the right thing and she was sick. So Yeah, got to go to heal s- her with the, yeah. Exactly. So that brings us to the tree of protection, which grew from an apple from the tree of life that Diggory took. And this kept evil at bay in Narnia for almost 900 years before its death. Uh, Before that happened, Diggory took a fruit from it in hopes of healing, yes, his dying mother. Um, When the tree of protection died, due to her immortality, Jadis was able to take control of Narnia and reign for 100 years, always winter, never Christmas. Um, And then... That brings us to the wardrobe tree. Ah. Yeah. Uh, And this is the tree that, yes, went on to be the wood for the wardrobe and the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Um, And it was grown from a leftover core of the magic apple that Diggory's mother ate. Ah. Yeah, so it was planted on Earth. Uh, And it sometimes would move without winds. And the sap was always pure, as pure as Narnia. Um, And lastly, the tree of knowledge found in Aslan's country where it flourishes um, and, yeah, fruit in general acts as something in these books to survive on, but also at feast as a luxury to yeah. indulge in, um, particularly in the amount and variety offered. Uh, a lot of the food in these books functions similarly in a similar way that yeah. these fruits do. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the descriptions of, of quantities of food in general, like like whenever it was like, oh, man, this feast was super cool. It had so much food. 
Like it had as much butter as you want. Mm-hmm. Like you could use as much as you want. Like it, it's it's just such a such a like like very post wartime mentality to me. Um, yeah. That 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 I find really really fascinating. Um, in Aslan's country, um, uh, as Aslan being again the uh, parallel to Jesus, um, uh, there's all manner of amazing food um, beyond description, beyond description. But let me describe <laughs> it for a minute. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is one of my very favorite literary tropes. Um, yeah, yeah. But but non non believers can't enjoy it. Oh, oh, it's like hook. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there's this one uh, uh, a fruit tree, and, uh, and the narrator says, unfortunately, no one can describe a taste, but compared with those fruits, the freshest grapefruit was dull and the juiciest orange was dry, and the most melting pear was hard and woody, and the sweetest wild strawberry was sour, and there were no seeds or stones and no wasps, if you had once eaten that fruit, all the nicest things in this world would taste like medicines after it. But I can't describe it. You can't <laughs> find out what it is like unless you can get to that country and taste it for yourself. <laughs> oh, that is fun. I love that. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a paragraph of description. Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite thing about H.P. Lovecraft. Uh is like, oh, it's beyond description. Seven paragraphs later, I'm like, cool, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Uh-huh. You're racist. <laughs> um, anyway, um, uh, other magical stuff in the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, uh, there's a uh, Lucy's cordial, which is given to her by Father Christmas, which um, which uh, is, is a healing potion. Um, that is made of the juice of one of the fire flowers that grow in the mountains of the sun. Oh, oh yeah, I do mm-hmm. remember that. Yeah, yeah. And there's also, um, in a world far beneath the surface of Narnia, below even the deepest mines, beneath the deepest mines, um, there's a land called Bism, um, where gems live and grow like fruits. Um, one of the creatures, one of the kind of goblin things from down there says, I'll pick you bunches of rubies that you can eat and squeeze you a cupful of diamond juice. You won't care much about fingering the cold dead treasures of your shallow mines once you've tasted the live ones of Bism. Oh. Right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I spent a really dedicated, like, ever um, pretending <laughs> that pomegranate uh, oh. bits were were rubies from yeah. Bism. Yeah. Yeah. There's also the, um, the, the, the sweet seawater of the last sea at the end of the world that, that's, like, drinkable light. Ooh. Ah, oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, well, there's also wine. Yeah. And there's beer. Yeah. Um, and alongside tea, these beverages show up at joyous occasions, both big and small, uh, which may just include surviving or escaping your not so great adoptive dad. You know, why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, when Edmund is rescued, wine is given to him as a as a restorative. Um, mm. The aforementioned puddle glum gets gets kind of drunk on some kind of liquor from a black bottle. Never really specified what. And well, yeah, like there's but there's like kind of a lot of drinking in these books. Um, it's it's always it's always I mean aside from that one drunk Marsh Wiggle, um, it's always <laughs> kind of like nice drinking, I guess. But yeah. but 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 up to the point that like Bacchus and Silenus. Mm-hmm. are discussed and also show up at one point. Yeah. With like a kind of scary 
dance of wood nymphs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It says that when they do show up, the streams would run with wine instead of water, and the whole forest would give itself up to jollification for weeks on end. Um, (laughs) Yeah. The feast when they hang out, there's like a bonfire, there's roasted meats, there's wheat cakes and oat cakes and honey and sugars and creams and many different colors. All kinds of fruit. Varieties of wine. (laughs) Again, every color of wine. Yellow and green and yellowish green and greenish yellow. (laughs) Yes. Chartreuse, I'm sure. Sure. Uh, And I I guess that's not necessarily the best transition, but it's a transition into saying, hey, these books have some problematic stuff in them here and there. Mm -hmm. They were written in the 50s, um, Uh you know, by a dude who was born in 1898. Um, and so looking at many things from the past with the lens of, um, of our modern perspective, um, can, can shine lights on things that perhaps were not thought of then. Um, but I mean, just in, okay, like, like the, the biggest thing is like really, ugly racism towards a group of neighboring countrymen called the Kallermen, who are clearly meant to be Arab Muslims. Uh, Not at all nicely portrayed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, like, the city is called out, their city is called out for smelling unpleasantly of garlic and onions. Even, like, a really nice meal there is described as, like, it was a fine meal after the Kallermen fashion. I don't know whether you would have liked it or not. Um, and I'm like, oh, that's heckin' shady. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not cool. Um, uh, there, there's, there's some other stuff in there that's kind of weird. Um, you know, like, uh, just, just these, these very, and I'm, and I'm struggling between, because dude was originally from Ireland, but he had lived in England so long and, um, and, you know, was, I, 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 I'm trying to decide whether to use the word British or English. And I think that British does really apply because, you know, you've got, you've got like Aslan as this lion, like the lion, the great lion, the king of beasts, um, which, which A, is like, like um, zoologically inaccurate. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like lions aren't really that regal. They mostly steal stuff from other more hardworking animals that bother to make a kill. Um, mm. But uh, but but also, um, I, I was I was reading into some of the theory about this, and and um, some uh, some some Christian critics have written a lot about um, disagreeing with the portrayal of of Jesus as um, this hyper powerful and often militant. Creature. Um, and apparently Lewis subscribed to what's called muscular Christianity, um, w- which has all of these ideals of masculinity and athleticism that were that were part of that. Um, mm-hmm. Tying into that, uh, there's, I mean, there there are at least lady female heroines. <laughs> yes. In every book. Uh-huh. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but um <laughs> frequently yeah just portrayals of 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 masculinity and femininity are skewed um yeah. those witches are 
which is, uh, yeah, yeah. And and yeah, and the problem of Susan, um, you know, which which to summarize is that um, Susan by the end of the series is denied entry into um, into Aslan's country, into into heaven, essentially, because she is, and I quote, interested in nylons and lipstick and invitations. Yeah, yeah. It's even as a kid, Lauren and I were discussing this beforehand. I was like, that what? That doesn't seem chill. <laughs> like that doesn't that's... seem right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not. It's not. I mean, you could make an argument. I could make an argument that it's not just that. It's that you right. know she she um, gave up her belief in and relationship with Aslan for right. these other things. But you know, I, like critics have have posited that it's because she actually just got interested in, like, maybe having sex and that <laughs> yeah. C.S. Lewis was anti that thing. I didn't mm-hmm. know the dude. You know, I can't, I can't tell right. you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, also, I just want to point out, this is unrelated, but I think it's fairly, fairly heckin' odd that this whole kingdom of Narnia is destined to be given over to the rule of four human randos from another <laughs> planet who just, yeah. like, show up. And our children? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess it's sort of the thing with, you know, God created people. And then was like, here you go. (laughs) 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 That's exactly how it went. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Uh Yeah, it it just, it rings as very odd to me. Um, Yes. and, And I, this is also part of why I've mentioned this on the show before. I am so very fond of um, the series, uh, uh, The Magicians, mm-hmm. because within this series, there's this, this, this uh, kind of parody Narnia um, that the heroes find out is a real place and they go there and they're like, oh, this is actually sort of screwed. Why, why is this like this? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, does a lot of commentary about that. His Dark Materials also does a bit of commentary. Although Philip Pullman was was more directly referencing Lewis's um, space trilogy with that one. So mm. I, it's you know either way interesting, interesting um, to to pull apart, to think yeah. about, to consider very much. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I will say uh, apparently J.R.R ribbed C.S. Lewis for the world of Narnia being kind of like hastily and haphazardly stitched together from all of these like mythological scraps. He was sort of like, oh, you didn't invent eight languages. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with you? (laughs) A whole bio sphere for your world. Okay. Okay. Hmm. I see you. (laughs) 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 Um. And I wanted to I wanted to close con- considering because I put all this at the end and and I and I don't want to to end it on like a super down note because clearly if it's not clear like like I like I I just I just read four of these basically for fun over the past twenty four hours like I I am still very charmed by these books and by a lot of the ideas and the ideals in them um, I think that they're very sweet for the most part aside from that really tremendous racism maybe just skip the horse and his boy y'all maybe just skip that one um but uh 
But I read this really nice sentiment um, in the Houston Chronicle from um, from writer uh, Kyrie O'Connor uh, regarding what you might tell your kids about this sort of thing, if you're talking with them about this sort of thing. And she said, the man who wrote this book wrote a lot of great stories, but they were great when they were complicated and magical, when his imagination took him into places and stories that were close to his heart. In his time, people thought it was amusing to make fun of other cultures. We don't. Read the stories, ask questions, and remember that the person who wrote this story was altogether too human. Yeah. Yeah. Always good to look critically at the entertainment you consume. You can yes. still consume it and you can still like it, but yeah. ask those questions. And... Right. Talk about it. Be yeah. like, man, that part sucked. <laughs> yeah. And here's why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a very fun Christmassy fictional foods yeah. look at Narnia. Oh, we would love if if you listeners have Narnia recipes. That'd be amazing. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes. I mean, I've got a box of Turkish delight downstairs, but I bought it. Ooh. I didn't I didn't make it out of magic or make it myself. Oh. Neither. I mean, and speaking of like not making your own world, Lauren. <laughs> um, and also speaking of, we do have some listener mail for you. Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, but first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. 
And we're back with Listener Mail. It was like a sword thing and then it was snow. There was a lot going on in that. Oh, I thought it was like a like a like a like a banner, like a you know. Uh, Yeah, I could go for that too. Okay. It's up for interpretation. Emily wrote, I just finished listening to your episode about carob, and I wholeheartedly agree on the rant about food alternatives. Hmm. It's like chocolate. It isn't hecking chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) That's my Lauren impression. I just had to write to share my experience on going on a mostly whole food, plant-based lifestyle. My husband and I have been doing it for over a year, and a big motivator to stick with it was that it was the only kind of food I could eat while pregnant. Thanks, nausea. Hmm. Uh, It's been a year full of some very good foods and some very pathetic dishes trying to pass off (laughs) as food. When I mention it to friends, I get a lot of questions. And my number one piece of advice is don't expect to make replacement foods and have it taste just as good as the real deal. Bless you if you are good with the nutrient vegan mac and cheese. But Hmm. for those of us who do love cheese, it is an insult to our taste buds. So please go throw it in the compost heap where it belongs. (laughs) I tried making chili recipes that typically would include meat as meatless dishes and it tasted so empty. Just a few examples of what I'm talking about. Vegan and non-restrictive dishes are not tit for tat. Number two piece of advice, explore, try new things, be adventurous, get outside the comfort zone, make crappy dishes. You'll (laughs) learn how to make food your very good friend. You might be wondering why we eat, quote, mostly whole food plant-based. Well, the biggest thing is we are weak. Like Mm. when Thanksgiving came around, I made and we sharefully ate very quickly two maple pumpkin cheesecakes, my favorite (laughs) Thanksgiving treat. In consolation, I tell myself that I eat well so I don't feel too guilty when I don't. Well, I still feel guilty. But I also love that freaking cheesecake. Oh. Yeah. No, hey, that is what it is all about. You know, that's, treats are important. Treats are really important. They are. Uh, And good for you. And I think this is great advice. Yeah. All around, solid, solid advice. Be adventurous. Right. (laughs) Make crappy dishes. Oh. Yeah. And learn from them. Learn from them. Yes. Always Mm -hmm. learn. Always be learning. Always. Neve wrote, After listening to your pastrami episode, I wanted to tell you about the spiced beef, which is one of the traditional Christmas dishes in my home city, Cork, Ireland, which is related to, but not the same, as corned beef or pastrami. It's salt beef that's been cured in a spice blend for two to three months, uh, salted and cured, but not smoked. Butchers will have their own secret house recipe, which will include some secret combination of spices such as cloves, galangel, galangel, I never know how to say that. Moving on. (laughs) Ginger, mace, allspice, juniper, cinnamon, or peppercorns. For most of the year, it's hard to find outside Cork City, but is more widely available at Christmas time. Our family has turkey, ham, and spiced beef every year for Christmas dinner, making sure to have some left over for sandwiches the next day. To give you an idea of its popularity, one of the traditional craft butchers in Cork sells over six tons of spiced beef over the Christmas period. And this is in a city... Smaller than Augusta, Georgia. Wow. <laughs> That's quite a bit. That's impressive. Also, Gosh. I want it. <laughs> yes. I want it. <laughs> Gosh. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay, dang. indeed. Maybe one day. Maybe yeah. one day. Yeah. <sighs> well, in the meantime, <laughs> <laughs> thanks to both of those listeners for writing. If you'd like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. 
You can also get in touch with us on social media. Our handles on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Uh, If you are celebrating a holiday right now, or if you're not, I hope that you are having a really beautiful one. We all do. It's not just me. That would be a schmucky thing to say. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.